I think we ought to give that to the Lord. We need to do that right now. I'm very uncomfortable with a hand clap. He's not because he's worthy of it. Would you give that to him? Would you tell him you love him tonight? Would you tell him that you want anything that he wants? That you want to be passionate about what he's passionate about? Amen, amen, amen. As you, as you remain standing, I just want to say how uh, privileged and what a great, great honor it is to address the wonderful saints of Wallace Ridge Pentecostal Church. I am honored to be here with you. It is my first time. You feel very comfortable because you've probably been here a lot of times. I feel comfortable because I'm with you. Amen. Because you've been here a lot of times. Amen. And I'm so honored to be with uh, our wonderful church planter and friend and fellow minister of the gospel, Brother Rains. I love him and his family. They have done a tremendous job in Hesmer, Louisiana. Uh, and uh, we're so thankful that uh, there are men and women answering the call of God to plant new works. You don't have to go to Africa or Asia or anywhere across the ocean to plant a church. You, there are places in Louisiana. By the way, somebody planted this church. You are a church plant. Amen. Yes, you are. Somebody planted this church. There was not a church here at one time, and somebody had a vision and answered a call. Thank you, Brother Rains, for the wonderful words. And what you failed to mention that was not on your agenda, but I want to mention it, and that is when you give to Christmas for Christ, it allows us to build churches in a day like we did in Hesmer. Thank you for the $5,000, I believe it was, that you gave last this past season. And we took those funds and were able to build an over, a, 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 I guess a building that is appraised at somewhere between three and four hundred thousand dollars. And the only thing that he, uh, and it was labor free, materials free. Only thing he pays is a fifty thousand, a five hundred dollar note and a fifty thousand uh, dollar mortgage. And he's finished. That building is paid for because of Christmas for Christ that you gave to. That's how powerful it is when you give into the kingdom of God. Many times you don't see those results, but I'm so thankful your pastor has a vision to have a missions conference where you're able to see some of the results of your giving. You may not go and plant a church, but you're sending your prayers and your finances, and God honors that. Amen. He honors that. And I give Brother and Sister Stevenson uh, honor tonight. We're so blessed to be with them, and what a wonderful work they are doing in Wallace Ridge. Can I get a witness, somebody? Amen. It is a, it is a privilege to be in, with him and to be with you all in this tremendous missions conference. I do not have a text tonight, but I do have a title. I'll have some scripture plenty of them, but I will give you a title tonight to begin with. Amen. I want to preach on this subject, the supernatural mission, the supernatural mission. And Brother Stevenson has a heart and a passion for missions. You don't take such a large amount of the budget of a church and send it to missions unless you really are passionate about it. Because where you put your treasure, your heart is right there. 
That's what the Bible says. And so you're putting your money where your heart is. Amen. And I'm thankful. to see. It's not about money, but God uses money. God uses money to find out where we are. But that's not the message tonight. I want to preach about supernatural mission. Lord, by the authority of your name, what a privilege it is to be a part of your kingdom. And Lord, to let us be a part of the church at its greatest part in the end times. The strongest, most in dynamic and miraculous church will stand in these last days. That is your promise. You said you would pour out of your spirit upon all flesh in these last days. And we trust you. And we know that Wallace Ridge has not seen their greatest, their best. The best is yet to come. We give you glory tonight in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody one more time, would you put your hands together for the Lord? Amen. Amen. Please be seated in his beautiful presence tonight. Amen. Supernatural mission. We've prayed for decades. God give us a book of Acts revival. I can't tell you as a pastor that uh, pastored for 25 years in Lafayette, Louisiana. Some of the best food down there, folks. I know y'all think you got some good food. You go down to Lafayette, my goodness. We fast one day, God says, I'll give you credit for two. Amen, because that food's so good, you're really sacrificing. Amen, it's good, wonderful. Let me tell you something. We have prayed, God, send a book of Acts revival. I remember when I was just a little boy in Alexandria, raised there in the first greater first Pentecostal church now known as the Pentecostals of Alexandria. We, we've talked about church churches doubling. We talked about our church tripling. We ch- talked about revival and, and our churches just growing uh, exponentially where we have never seen such growth before. We used to sing songs like, there's going to be a revival in the land. There's going to be a revival. It's, young people don't know what I'm talking about, but some of you that are a little older, you don't have to even reveal that you know this song, but there's going to be a revival in the land from the somebody has heard that from the north the south the east and the west there's going to be a revival and then we sing that part over and over and we get real excited and start shouting there's going to be a revival there's going to be a revival there's going to be a revival we have long awaited the arrival of miraculous growth among us. And for years we have rejoiced to see the addition of new members in our churches. But I believe God is preparing His church to witness more than just addition. I believe we are moving into the greatest phase of the harvest, which is multiplication. Can I get a witness tonight? Or somebody that will agree with me that my God wants to take us from addition to multiplication in His kingdom. There's nobody that wants to see souls saved like our Savior. Amen. 
But it's not coming because we're singing about it. And it's not coming because we're preaching about it. And it's not coming because we're talking about it. It's coming because God is preparing a church who will walk in the Spirit like His church did in the book of Acts. Amen. You better get ready. You're fixing to witness things in the Spirit that you have never witnessed before. For too long, a few here and a few there have carried the weight of the Great Commission of Jesus' words, Go ye. But that's about to change, brothers and sisters. God is about to show His church through the miraculous and through His Spirit that there is an outpouring coming to us that is unequaled by any other generation, including the early church of the book of Acts. Amen. We do not have the liberty of time to continue in the addition phase. God is ready to move us into the multiplication dimension. Amen. He's about to shake every believer and stir every saint and challenge them to step out in faith and watch his power flow. We've become so dependent upon new programs and innovative ideas that we have nearly taken God out of the equation. Now, I believe in programs and I believe in methods and I believe in structure and I believe in new ideas. I believe you have to have the practical. But I also believe that you've got to have the spiritual work of the Holy Ghost. That's what separates us from everybody else. That we're not just have full of a bunch of programs. That everybody will come here just to see what a program is about. But there is a divine demonstration of the Holy Ghost. When we walk into this place, our songs aren't the same. Our preaching's not the same. Our praise is not the same. Because there is an expectation among us. Does anybody expect God to move when you began to clap, when you began to shout, when you began to hit a keyboard or sing a note? I expect God to show up because he said in his word, I inhabit the praises of my people. And if he said it, I'm going to believe it. And if I need him to show up, well, I'm going to praise God. Amen. I, I love Matthew 28. Jesus says, listen to this. Jesus says, all power is given unto me, he says, in heaven and in earth. Then he makes a statement that doesn't seem to be connected at all to what he's talking about. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, that's the key, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus coupled witnessing with power. In fact, he did it again in Acts chapter 1. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And then he does it again. And ye shall be witnesses according to the message of Jesus. There is a supernatural power connected to reaching the lost. You are never more anointed. 
You are never more empowered than when you reach, step out by faith and reach out to somebody who does not know this truth. You're never more protected. You're never more anointed. You're never more empowered. You're never more covered than when you reach out to somebody with the truth and share with them what God has done in your life. When we first started the church in Lafayette, we're church planners. It's like Marines. Once a church planner, always a church planner. We were blessed to start uh, two or three churches around Lafayette. They're all going well. We planted several more churches after we planted ours, and we also took two dying churches that had dwindled down to uh, one of them had just a couple of people, the other hand just a, just a family or two. We adopted those churches and sent pra- uh, praise teams and ministry teams, uh, not just temporarily, but to stay and raise those churches. And all of them now are doing well. We've been very blessed to be able to reach into our community. When we first went to Lafayette 25 years ago, It might not be popular. I'm not sure if it would work today. But we knocked doors. That's all we ever knew. We were raised in in, uh, Alexandria. Our pastor's wife, Sister Mangage, uh, my mom was on on her door knocking team. We knocked every door in Alexandria every year. Uh, There there were 50,000 people back when I was a kid. Today, there's still 50,000 people. It doesn't grow. It doesn't go down. It's just 50,000 people. But my pastor, Anthony Mangan, when we started the church in Lafayette 25 years ago, he would send young adults over to help us canvas neighborhoods and knock doors. And we would go out and tell everybody that we could, that we're starting a new church. And here is a little brochure. And on that brochure, it's information about uh, where we are and where we're holding Bible studies in my home. And, and if you need prayer, contact this number. We'll pray for you. And we tried to get Bible studies with them. I took a map of Lafayette. At that time, it was running around 100,000 people. Now it's around 130, 140,000 people. But it was about 100,000 people at that time. And I took a map and I, ch- I drew a checkerboard across that map. And I, we took one section at a time and would knock every door in that section, our little team, uh, every weekend. And we knocked over 10,000 doors before I stopped. I'm a numbers guy too. And we stopped counting at around 10,000 doors. But on one particular Saturday, we came to a house and knocked that door. And a lady, it took a while, but finally the door opened and a lady came to the door. And you could see she was something was wrong. Either she was upset or something, but she had been crying. Her eyes were very red and she, she had been weeping. And she, we, we just said, uh, as she came to the door, we just introduced ourselves and she kind of cut us off and immediately says, uh, do you speak in tongues? That was the first question. We had not even really introduced ourselves or even talked anything about doctrine or beliefs. But she says, do you speak in tongues? And she said, and then before we could answer her, she says, because a few days ago, I was leaving my church that I have attended since I was just a child. And this lady was probably in her 30s, latter 30s. And she said, I've been attending this church since I was a child. 
And she says, my family has attended this church for generations. And of course, it is predominantly Catholic down in Lafayette. And she had been a part of that church and uh, with her family for many generations. And she says, I left my church uh, on after Mass. And I was driving home uh, after our service. And she said, I just told God there's got to be more than this. She said, I told God I'm frustrated because... I go to church like I should. I, I'm faithful. I'm there. I, I, I'm committed. And when I go and when I get there and I'm sitting there that entire hour, there is nothing that I feel. I don't get anything. I'm not changed. I'm not challenged. And she's telling God this. She, she said her church didn't believe in Jesus' name baptism. And she did not believe, they did not believe in the Holy Ghost. Uh, infilling, speaking in other tongues. And she says, I was going home in my car telling God all of this about my church. And so I had to pull over. She says, I was weeping so heavily that, and I told God, she, that God, I, I'm hungry for more. And she pulled over in a park that was right there after she left her, her church. And she says, as she wept, she says, before I knew it, I was speaking in a language I did not know. Praise God. My Bible says I'll pour out of my spirit upon all apostolics. No, upon all flesh. If you're hungry, if you want to move a God in your life, I, I, I'm going to say it right now. Your pastor can deal with it later when I'm gone. But you don't have to be Pentecostal to speak in tongues. For God to fill you with the Holy Ghost, you don't have to be apostolic. You can be hungry. You can desire Him. You can want truth. You can be looking for Him. And God will introduce Himself. He's just looking for somebody who's hungry. And she said, I was there for hours when I came to. That's what she says. She says, when I came to, I noticed it was dark outside. And all of a sudden, I looked at my watch and she says, I had been in my car for hours. And she says, today, I was in my bedroom on my knees praying, God, send me somebody who knows what I received in my car when you knocked my door. And I want to know, do you speak in tongues? And of course, we said yes, and we can tell you more about that. Let us teach you a Bible study. We got a Bible study with her, and she invited all of her friends. We had a, a seven different faiths including Buddhism, in that one Bible study. I baptized their entire family. They got the Holy Ghost. I baptized all of those in our Bible study. Brothers and sisters, the mission is a supernatural work of God. You are not on your own. You are not alone. When you step into the mission field, God's power, God's anointing is upon you. He will guide your steps. He'll give you the words. He'll put you in the place. This task is too great to throw a bunch of humans in, in to be in charge of the mission. This thing is supernatural. He's going to make a way in these last days that we have never seen before. I want to read from the book of Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, 
Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. I think I can relate to that command. Get up and go somewhere where it's dry and dusty and nothing's happening. Well, let me try this side over here. That's a tough side over there. Praise God. Amen. And he arose. And he went. And behold, he didn't say, but it's inconvenient. But I, I don't have a lot of time. But the, I've got things planned. Have you seen my calendar? You know what my family's, you know what my kids are doing? You know the after extracurricular, after school activities that they're involved in? It's not what the Bible says. And the Bible says, and he got up. He arose and went. He did what the, the Spirit moved him to do. Oh, if only we could get a revelation that God has broached this hour of the end time to put within our heart the desire, the hunger to just do what He speaks into our lives to do. To be easily led by the Spirit. To hear the voice of God instead of social media and all the issues of the day and all the troubles and hardships of the moment. That we could somehow tune all of that out and hear the voice of God. Are you saying God's not speaking? I'm telling you God is speaking. Amen. God is speaking who is hearing Him. Who's being nudged by the Spirit. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, was from under Candace, uh, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He said, uh, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to hear his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I expect except some man should guide me? Then Philip, verse 35, opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. But he transferred from the Old Testament and he got a little message coming from the New Testament and he put the gospel in that Bible study. He started right where the guy was in the Old Testament of Isaiah. And he ended up where the gospel was. Amen. And it had not even been written yet. Praise God. But he had been changed by it. He witnessed what God did for him. Amen. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. He was, he was uh, convicted. Your Bible study convicted me. Well, there's water. What's hindering me from being baptized? And verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Praise God. I, I want to finish that in just a second. But I want to talk to you about this tremendous spirit that's about to move through our churches in a supernatural way to get us on the mission field, to see the miraculous in our midst. You know, I don't believe God's going to pour the miraculous of the end time into a church that's just waiting on it. It's not going to happen. It's going to be those you might not even find them in the church house except on service days to see people bring people that they've been witnessing to to get the Holy Ghost and to be baptized in Jesus' name. 
So one night after dark, I, I felt God prompting me. I, I know I'm a little weird like this, but I just felt God prompting me. We had just eaten supper. That's what we called it in Lafayette. I don't know what you call the evening meal. It, it's uh, supper. That's what we call it. And we just ate supper. My wife was finishing up in the kitchen, closing things down. My boys were playing in the living room, and I was just, just sat down. And uh, this was back when they had newspapers. And I was looking at it. You don't even know what those are, do you, young people? It's, it's this thing. It's about this big. It has writing all over it, uh, like a giant iPad that's not electric. And uh, we were, I was looking at the newspaper when all of a sudden the Spirit prompted me, go stand in your front yard. And I could have taken a, a chance right there and just stayed there in my chair. But I've learned that you better listen to the voice of God. When He speaks, don't fight it. Don't think about it. Don't delay. Don't think of every reason why you shouldn't. Because He's fixing to set you up for the miraculous. And He's not going to do it without you having to take a step of faith. Without you being uncomfortable. Without you being... I'm talking to a church over the last two years who has gotten comfortable, who has been to church in their pajamas, sipping a cup of coffee, watching, going on to the kitchen during the preaching and cooking a little meal and getting ready for lunch, and we've become comfortable. And so there I stood up, I said, Karen, I'm going out to the front yard. This is at night. It's dark, and uh, in our, the front of our house, there was no light. There was a, there's a long street in a neighborhood. The, the street lights were way down at the corners of the ends of the street. Our house, it was in the pitch black darkness. And so I go in the front yard. My boy says, can we come? So they'd come in. They thought that was cool going to stand in the front yard in the dark. And so I stood there in my driveway in front of my house, and the boys are running around in the dark on the, in the front yard. And, uh, I'm standing there wondering why am I in the front yard in the dark when all of a sudden lights from a car come down the side street that is running at the end of our street running uh, that our street runs into. The, the, The car stops at the end of our street, then turns down our street and slowly rolls down the street in front of my house, my house, and it stops right in front of my house. I can't see anything. Just a car, dark inside, it's dark outside. And I watch this car for just a moment, and I I feel like, you know what, God's doing something. And so I step down the driveway all the way into the street, into the edge of the car, not in the world knowing what is fixing to happen. And uh, when I got to the car, the window began to go down. And I could see in the, the, the car by the moonlight and some of the, 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 the lights that are coming off of our house. I saw it was a lady and I could see she was looking very disturbed. And I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she says, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm fearful. That's what she told me. I'm fearful. Uh, she says, I, I live on the next street, and she's sitting in her car like this. I'm over here, and she points this way, and she says, I live over on the other side of those houses, and I was just driving down this street thinking about all the break-ins that have been in our neighborhood. There was, there was some guy, they finally caught him. He is breaking in houses, stealing uh, things out of houses, and he even would break in at, while people were in their homes asleep at night. It was very scary. 
scary. And uh, they finally caught this guy, but she was fearful. She says, uh, you know, we've been having these break-ins in the neighborhood. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm aware of that. And she says, well, I was just driving down the road looking between the houses to see how accessible my backyard is to anyone who would want to break in my house. And is it lit, well lit or whatever? And she says, I'm just afraid. I'm, I'm so afraid. I, and then she started telling me all this stuff. She said, my daughter and I are at home usually uh, for you know, 7 to 14 days at a time by ourselves because my husband works offshore on, on some of those uh, stints or 7 to 14 days uh, shifts. And, and I, we're just all by ourselves and I'm so afraid. And, I, and immediately the Holy Ghost allowed me to realize why I was there and why she was there. And I said, ma'am... You don't have to worry. I said, fear is not of God. It's of the adversary. And I'm going to pray for you right now. And we're going to rebuke that fear. And so I prayed. We, she closed her eyes. I closed my eyes. And in the middle of the street, her car running, sitting there in the dark, I prayed in the name of Jesus. I rebuked fear. I commanded to go back to where it came from. And I release right now angels and faith and the peace of God. God that passes all understanding. I mean the anointing hit me in the middle of the street. I prayed for this lady and then we, when we stopped praying I opened my eyes and tears were flowing down her face and she says this, who are you? I said, well, ma'am, I'm, I live right here. That's my, those are my boys in the front yard. And, and I, I, my wife and I pastor a church right here in Lafayette that's just a fledgling work. We just started it not long ago. And, and she says, I'm looking for a church. I said, well, we happen to, I didn't say this, but we happen to have a few openings, you know. It's what I felt like. And she says, I said, she says, I'm looking for a church. She says, I need a pastor. I said, well, ma'am, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you and your family come and be a part of our church. We would love to meet your, your family. And she says, my, I was going to the Nazarene church down the road. And she says, our pastor just disappeared. Nobody knows where he is. He and his family left town. We don't, we don't have a pastor and she says, I've been praying, God, send me someplace where I can be saved and I can have a church and I can have a pastor. They came to our church. We baptized their family. They received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Brothers and sisters, this is a supernatural work of God. The mission is empowered by God himself. It's his passion. It's his purpose. It's his mission. If you just step out in faith, there's a reason that person right there, God put them in your close proximity. God has a word for them. God, you don't know how God's been dealing with them. You don't know how God set them up for this moment. And your words might seem shallow, but if they speak truth and they speak witness, amen, there's nothing more powerful than you could ever say because the Holy Ghost is connected to that. It was a short time later, my phone rang, and I answered the phone, and the voice on the other end, a man says, is this Pastor Weber? I said, yes, it is, and he says, you don't know me, but he says, I am a Nazarene pastor from Lafayette. In fact, I don't, I don't pastor far from you. 
And he says, I was invited to one of your, by one of your ministers in the United Pentecostal Church to this meeting you have up in Alexandria called Because of the Times. He said, so my wife and I decided we would visit with our friend uh, and we went to this, this meeting you have in Alexandria and he says, my wife and I received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues and we were baptized in Jesus' name. And he says, I, I'm, a, I'm a Nazarene pastor in Lafayette and I haven't been back to our church and I don't, I'm praying about that. I don't want to create confusion. I'm, I know God's going to give me direction. I said, don't worry, brother. God's sending your people to my house in the middle of the night. Amen. Amen. God is ready to impact our world. He is ready to do something you've never witnessed before. And do you know how he's going to do it? The church, that's you and me, we are going to get the revelation of greater is he that is in me now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think here's what the revelation is going to give us according to the power that worketh in us He's going to get you and me to start exercising the Holy Ghost that's within us. Brothers and sisters, God is ready to impact your school. God's getting ready to impact your neighborhood. God's getting ready to impact your community with supernatural evangelism. Praise God. Notice the progression of Philip's evangelism efforts. God tells him, get up and go out. He gets up and he walks and he walks and he goes to a dry desert place. Evangelism, brothers and sisters, is inconvenient. The mission will challenge your comfort zone. Oh, yes, it will. But notice when Philip went out, God had arranged already a supernatural rendezvous with an Ethiopian who would just be happen, no, not by happenstance, but orchestrated and ordered by the Lord to be passing by the very place where Philip was standing. And it led to the Ethiopian's conversion through a very short Bible study from Philip. But the next two verses... This is where I believe God is taking His church. Acts chapter 8 verse 39. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. We kind of skip over all of that after the baptism. But this is what happened in the baptism. The Spirit caught Philip away. Another translation says the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Can you get, just get a picture of this? The Ethiopian standing here in the water. Philip is doing his thing, you know, like all pastors do. One hand on the back, one hand on the hands that are on the nose. And he speaks the words. In the name of Jesus Christ, I baptize you for the remission of all of your sins. And Philip pushes the Ethiopian underwater. And he begins to pull him up. But before he gets all the way up, 
something happens. It feels like Philip's dropped him and the Ethiopian kind of stumbles and bubbles a little bit. And he comes up out of the water spitting, blowing water out of his nose and he wipes his face and he thinks Philip has just accidentally dropped him. And he looks around and there is no Philip. Imagine if you were Philip. Philip says in the name of Jesus. And he pulls the Ethiopian up. Except when he gets him all the way up, there's no Ethiopian in his hands. And there's no water around him. And he's standing in the middle of a street in a city called Azotus. And he looks around, he has to jump out of the way. A chariot comes flying by. And he goes and he preaches a revival and souls are saved. I believe God is telling us that he's about to take his church to another dimension in the mission. We've always heard, in the last days saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. How do you think they're going to hear? How do you think they're going to feel? How do you think they're going to see? There's going to be a church walking in the Holy Ghost, walking in the Spirit, hearing the voice of God in the miraculous shall follow in the dimension of the mission you are never more empowered and anointed than when you reach out to the lost I believe this is going to take place I believe God is setting his church up the past two years God is trying to get us uneasy God is trying to wake us up Somebody even called this the last great awakening recently. They said the church has never been at this place. And some would say, I hope we never are again. Oh no, I hope we even go farther than what we've seen. I think God is stirring His church. He's getting us so comfortable with change that we're just going to look for change no matter what. We're going to go a different route than we've ever gone. We're going to take different steps than we've ever stepped. We're going to begin to talk to people we're not used to talking to. Change is creating things in the mission. Setting the church up for the greatest outpouring of the Spirit this church and this world has ever seen. You're not alone, brother. You're not alone, sister. You're not by yourself, young person. Speak what you know. Share truth. Share a miracle that God has performed in your life. One of our church planters out of our church, uh, you know the Williams. Uh, They're in uh, Youngsville. She was in her office at work. This just happened just a month or two ago. She's in her office at work just during the Christmas season. And somebody, uh, one of her co-workers, walks in to her office to give her a little gift. This, they, they, they're planning a church, you know, in that city. She's working there. And this co-worker comes in, lays that gift on the desk and says, just wanted to give you this Merry Christmas. And Patrice says, well... Are you okay? How are you doing? What a simple question. Well, the lady turns to her, starts crying. I'm not doing real good. 
I'm having some struggles, some problems I'm going through. Well, Patrice got up out of her chair, walked around that desk, and she went over there and she says, let me pray with you. Now, there's not much of a long testimony involved in that. Just, I want to pray for you. She began to pray for that lady. Amen. I don't think they ever had a Bible study. I don't think there was much witnessing going on before that. But right there in her office, the lady lifted her hands and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy... God will put you in close proximity. Get ready, brother. Get ready, church. God is moving it away. He doesn't have much time. He knows the time is short. If the devil knows he's got it about a little time, don't you know God knows he has but a little time? And he is moving in the mission. He is moving in this hour to get his church prepared, to give his church revelation that what is in you is greater than anything you'll ever face. What is in you is greater than anything you'll ever come against. When we make ourselves available, my, 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 something, something supernatural will take over in our lives. God's calling His church to believe what He's about to do. Let me tell you, their prodigals are coming home by the thousands That's not a prophecy. It's already happening. Prodigals are coming home by the thousands. It's amazing. What would happen if just within a five-mile radius, ten-mile radius of this church, if just the prodigals returned? You would all of a sudden be in a building uh, uh, issue. You would have seating problems. Get ready. Prepare your spirits for people that you don't agree with in what they did. They're going to walk in here. They're already going to be all beat up by the adversary. He's going to lie to them and tell that church doesn't love you. They don't want you there. They're going to judge you as soon as you get to the church. They're going to look at you and, and go around you. They're not going to love you. They're, no, no, that's the church. They're already being fed that lie. So when they show up, the first thing we need to do, I am so glad to see you. Where have you been? I love you. We have missed you. If it's my child, I want you to love them back into the kingdom. If it's your child, I'm going to love them back into the kingdom. If it's your family member or your friend, I'm going to love them and welcome them. I'm going to take them to get a burger. I'm going to Bible study with them. I want them to know whatever I can do to help make their trip back to God and easy when I'm here. We talk about the great falling away. Somebody needs to talk about the great harvest. Somebody needs to talk about the great move of God when the prodigals come home. It's going to fall, pale in comparison. The, the falling away is going to pale in comparison to compare, compared to what God is going to do in the harvest. Over 20 years ago, my nephew, who was a young minister, Preacher, leader in our church, youth director. He and his wife backslid, moved away from God, moved out of the city, cut their family off, cut everybody off in their lives, made new friends out in the world, went to a new level of sin, alcohol, drugs. And all these years, my brother and sister-in-law in Alexandria, they have prayed and believed 
that no matter what they heard about their boy, they couldn't hear it from their children. They just heard hearsay from others. We saw your boy in a bar. We saw your boy here. No matter what they heard, how bad it was, they kept praying. That in fact, in fact, think about this. In fact, they started a prodigal ministry. Sowing seed into something they see no harvest in. They started a prodigal ministry in Alexandria, Don and Diane Long. They helped many, many churches around the nation start their prodigal ministries. It's a ministry that all of those who have prodigals out in the world, they gather together. They learn how to pray specific prayers. They learn how to not let fear and doubt and unbelief get a hold of their spirit, but keep on believing that God's going to save their family member. A few years ago, my nephew, now he's been out in the world for 20 years. He has been in the depths of the deepest, darkest places. A few years ago, his marriage fell apart. His life was falling apart. He finally got caught on a DWI, one of a number of them, in Austin, Texas. And they ordered him to go to a detox hospital to get help. He was ordered by the judge. He was in very bad physical shape. Alcohol had torn his body and his mind. And literally, my, my nephew had reached the bottom. Over in Louisiana, at the same time that he was called to go to that detox center, he's in the detox center, the same time in Louisiana, right here in Alexandria, my, my sister-in-law is in church. And she does not know that her boy is over there in that detox center. She doesn't know what's happening. He has cut them off. She hasn't heard anything. And that, that day in church, she's in church. One of the ladies come to her, a prayer warrior in the church. And this lady says, I just feel like something's happening in Dustin. I feel like we need to go to prayer for him right now. And she said specifically, we need to pray like the book of Daniel says to pray. To send the, the angel Michael to him right now to take care of him and watch over him and deliver him. And so they had quite a prayer right there in that church service and it seemed like it was over. But over in Austin, Texas at the very same time in detox center, my nephew is standing at a mirror in a big large bathroom facility where they don't, let them, they don't let them shave alone. It's very dangerous. So they have somebody in there watching them. He's shaving in that detox center in the mirror. And they're over, right there walks in a man dressed in all white, look like a nurse. And the man says to my nephew, you are Pentecostal, aren't you? And my nephew looks at him, just looks at him. And he says, I want you to know that God loves you, he says. He says, and God's going to take care of you. And I've come to tell you everything is going to be all right. And then the man turns around and he walks out. That was it. And my nephew, well, before he walks out, my nephew says, finally, he says, who are you? And this nurse, male nurse, all, in all white, he says, my name's Michael. And he turns around and he walks out the door. On that day, after many, many years at the lowest point of his life, 
my nephew begins a journey back to God. And today, if you went to POA, you wouldn't just find my nephew sitting on a pew restored in the Holy Ghost, but he's restored in a powerful ministry. He is on the prayer team now, ministering. He will go pray over pastor before he goes out to preach. I saw him coming out of pastor's office at Bot after they went in and prayed over the pastor. God has restored him in the Holy Ghost. Amen. They went back to the hospital to find this nurse named Michael. And the administration says, we don't have any male nurses named Michael. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Brothers and sisters, that's how we've got to do it. That's what we've got to trust in. That's how we've got to use in our lives is the spirit that is with it. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You can give birth to powerful things tonight. You can give birth to the miraculous. You can give birth to the supernatural. You have the power of God to bring forth change and transformation and new direction. Oh, if we only knew what we had. I I close with this. Please just give me a moment. Karen and I, I just finished mowing the grass. I I, I just finished mowing the grass. I threw a hat on and I just threw some old clothes on. And my wife just... She just had a ponytail and, and, and just threw some, some casual clothes on and we ran to, to uh, Texas Roadhouse in Lafayette. We plopped down. I'm tired. I'm drinking the tea and, and we're waiting on our order. And Have you ever felt like somebody's just staring at you? I felt that. And I looked up. I looked right at him. It's a big guy. Big guy. Looked like a cowboy. Big old boy. Cowboy boots. Just a big old guy sitting right across the aisle from me, just staring right at me. And I, of course, turned my head real quick. And uh, you know how we do. We act like we're eating. The best time's when you're sipping. Then you can look around. And I did that, and he's staring right at me. And I look away real quick, and I said, Karen, I said, there's a guy just staring at me. Don't look! And it was too late. She She looked right at this guy. And she said, yeah, he is just staring right at you. Then he gets up. And I'm thinking, who, who is this guy? Do I know him? Have I ever counseled his wife? Or have I ever done something to his family? Is there something? Do I owe anybody money? No, I'm, I'm clear. And he walks over to my table and big guy towering over me. And he looks down at me and he says, you're a preacher, aren't you? Now that's a trick question. If, if you're in trouble. And then he goes, you're a Pentecostal preacher, aren't you? There's no way he could have told that by what I was wearing. I just looked like most of the people in there, just a bunch of casual dressed people eating some food. And I said, yes, I am. Do I know you? He says, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were a Pentecostal preacher. He says, I'm a backslider. I don't even live in Lafayette. He said, I'm, a, I'm driving through or going to another place. I'm from another state. 
And I've been away from God for years, but no matter where I go, God puts a Pentecostal preacher right there with me to tell me some message that I need to get. And I've got the message, he said. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, preacher. I'm heading home, and I'm going to church, and I'm going to get back where I need to be with God. You've got it, brothers and sisters. You've got what it takes inside of you. There is an aura. There is a power resident in your life. It's called the Holy Ghost. You're not like anybody else, young people. There's nobody like you in your school. There's nobody like you on your job. There's nobody like you in your neighborhood. Not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Would you stand and lift your hands right now? Ah, I'm hungry to be used of Him. I'm hungry to be used of Him. We used to sing an old song that said, Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Take all of me for the world to see. Who lives within my heart? Take my hands. Take my feet. I'll go where you lead. I'm yours and yours alone. Use me, Lord. Come on. How long has it been? Has the past two years caused you to push back on the call as it caused you to become casual about your faith as it caused anybody to lose the edge where you were constantly looking for somebody to share this beautiful experience with come on God's calling you his spirit is going to use his church in such a powerful way he looked at his disciples but not to his disciples but he looked to his church As he looked at his disciples, he spoke prophetically to the end time church. And he says, greater works shall you do. Greater works shall you do. Because I'm going to unleash the Holy Ghost. He says, because I'm going away, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. With this Holy Ghost, you're going to see things you never would have seen in a, a thousand lifetimes. You have what it takes. You have everything that God's church needs to see the greatest outpouring this community has ever witnessed. It's not because there haven't been great leaders in this church or in other churches in the area. No, it's because of the day that we're living in. The harvest is ready. God's church has power. And the world is getting so dark that the only thing that's going to shine is the church in this hour. And the shine is not going to come because you can sing good or you can get to church on time. The glow is going to come because of the resident of the residents of the Holy Ghost in your life. I need you, Jesus. I need you in my life. Some come because they want you, but I'm not here because I just want you. I'm here because I need you. I need you. I want to be used of your hand. I want to be used of your spirit. I'm not here to play church or play kingdom roles. 
But Lord, I want to be used of you. Speak through me. Work through me. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Jesus.